Hey, we're Phil and Meredith, and we're the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're excited to be coming to you through this platform today. We hope that your heart is encouraged, that your faith is stirred by what God speaks to you today. God bless you. Enjoy the message. We are continuing in our series on faith. You've heard about it mentioned so far today, but we're talking about tectonic faith, this faith that rises under pressure, and it's a faith that is crucial for us to be talking about. Faith for us is easy to be talking about at Cornerstone Church because we've been talking about it right since the very beginning of our church. This is not something that's new for us. Faith is in the DNA of what it means to be a part of Cornerstone Church. It's always been who we are, and so it's easy for us to be talking about. So much so that faith is not just one of our culture points, Faith is the very first culture point that we have. You can find out more about them on our website, but we have 11 different culture points and it's the very first culture point that we have. It says that we are audacious in our faith. We dare to believe that God would do what He said that He would do. We are audacious in our faith. Faith is always something that we've been talking about and we believe that it's important to be talking about right now, what it means to have tectonic faith. And so a couple of weeks ago, Bishop Pitts kicked off this series that we're in when he talked about Caleb, and he talked about what it means to have the faith to work alongside Joshua to walk into the promised land. And then last week, Pastor Kathy continued this series as she talked about what it means to have faith for peace, as she talked about the life and the story of Rahab. And wasn't that such a great message? Didn't you guys love that? And so today though, I wanna continue in our series talking about Abraham because you can't get far into the Bible studying out faith without encountering the life and the story of Abraham. In many ways, he is the father of faith. He is mentioned in ways that we don't see other people are mentioned in the Old Testament and the New Testament, so much so that his name was changed from Abram to Abraham because of the promise that he inherited, the promise that was spoken over his life and the way that he lived his faith out. He was Abram and then he moved to become Abraham. He was blessed to be a blessing. Many nations, he was told, would come through him. So much so that even when he didn't have a child, the promise was given to him, and he believed it with such fervor that when he received the promise and he and his wife gave birth to Isaac, God told him, I want you to go and sacrifice your son. And he started moving in that direction to do so. And now we know that he didn't actually have to do that because that's not in the nature and character of God, but he moved in faith, believing that God would bring the sacrifice that was necessary. That's the kind of faith that we find in Abraham. Abram received the promise of being a father when he was 75 years old. He was 75 years old. And then it took another 25 years for that promise to come into fruition. 25 years. He was 100 years old before he realized the promise that was spoken over his life. He was 100 years old when the promise was given to him, when he and his wife gave birth to Isaac, his son. 25 years he waited to see that promise. And so I know that you have been praying over different situations in your life. I know that you have been praying to see God move. I know that you've been praying for healing. I know that you've been praying for restoration in your family. I know that, but have you been praying for 25 years? It's something that's difficult for us young people to realize because we've been brought up with, with instant gratification being expected. 
right? I expect to be able to speak right here in this moment and then instantly be heard around the world. I expect to be able to pick up my phone and have a conversation with anyone no matter where they are instantly. Instant gratification is the way that we've been brought up. And so in many ways, we haven't learned that promises sometimes come through patience. But when we study out the story of Abraham, we realize that that's exactly what happens. Promises sometimes come as a result of patience. And our digital interactions have caused us to believe in some ways and to assume that delay means denial. Delay means denial, but that's not true. We study the life of Abraham and we realize that that's not true. And so today I wanna to talk about the life and the story of Abraham for a couple of moments not specifically about his children and the descendants of Abraham and the nation that came from Abraham and the nations that were blessed as a result of Abraham, but I wanna talk about the promised land that was promised to Abraham. And so we read about this in Genesis chapter 12, verses one through four, and I'm reading from the NIV today, and it says this, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went and the Lord, as the Lord had showed him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So a couple of days ago, when the weather was nice for about 16 minutes, my family and I went out to enjoy the nice weather that we were having in Northwest Ohio. And my wife and I were out there having a conversation in the yard. And then a little four-year-old shouted from the other side of the yard, Daddy, come over here, I wanna show you something. And I said to him, Theo, what is it? And he said, Daddy, just come over here, I wanna show you something. And now if you're a parent of young children, you know that that could mean anything. Right? You know that it could be a blade of grass that he wants to show me. You know that it, it could be a leaf that he wants to show me or a flower or an ant or something cool like a dead animal or something like that. But it could mean nothing. And I need to make sure as a dad that before I invest all the calories to get to the other side of the yard, that it's gonna be worth my time to get over there. And so I shouted again to Theo, what is it that you wanna show me? And he said, dad, just come over here. You'll see when you get here, just come. And it made me think about this conversation that just took place between Abram and God, right? Because God said to Abram, go to the land that I will show you. He didn't tell him where he was going. He said, go to the land that I will show you. And now we have to remember that this was told to Abram. This wasn't specifically told to Abraham. When he's Abraham, he's the father of the promise. He's the father of nations. He's the father of children. He has seen miracles take place in his life. When he's Abram, he hasn't seen any of that take place yet. And so God tells Abram, go to the land that I will show you. He doesn't know where he's going. He hasn't seen God move on his behalf. He hasn't seen great miracles take place, but still he stands in faith and starts out on the journey. Now it's easy when we look at these biblical characters from our perspective from thousands and thousands of years later and we think, well, that's easier and we just keep turning the pages and we think that there's no big, no big significance in that. But for Abram to walk without knowing where he was going was a big deal and it required great faith. God told Abram to leave everything, 
his father's household, his culture, his people, everything that he had ever known and go to the land that he would show him. Meredith and I joke sometimes about how when you ask different people for directions, the answer that you get back is in some ways directly related to the age of the person that you've asked for the directions. And it's usually divided like right around the age of about 40. Okay, so if you're younger than 40, typically what happens is I'm going to ask you for your, your address or I'm going to ask you wherever we're going and then you're going to give me the exact address because you know that I'm going to punch the address into my phone and then we're off, right? Typically what happens if I ask someone who's older than 40 about where we're going or whatever their address is, then I get a play-by-play -play of what we need to do and how we need to get there. And it goes a little bit something like this. They're going to say, okay, so you're going to leave the driveway right here. Make sure you take a right as you leave the driveway. And then you're going to go past three intersections. Make sure that you take a left at the blue fence. And then you're going to go past the fire hydrant, not the yellow fire hydrant, go past the red fire hydrant, take a right at that intersection. Make sure that you wave to the mailman along the way because they're going to be standing. Right? We get so many instructions when we ask some of the older people about where we're going but think about Abram. He didn't get either of those. He didn't get a destination. He didn't get a play-by-play. -play. He didn't get instructions on how he was meant to get there. Abram just got, go, and I will show you along the way. We have to remember how significant this was that Abram was told to leave his father's household. Not just culturally this was significant, but historically and what was happening at that moment. If we jump up just a little bit in Scripture to the previous chapter, we see in chapter 11, right at the end of chapter 11 in Genesis, we see this in verse 31. It says, Terah, who is Abram's father, it says, Terah took his son, Abram, and his grandson, Lot, and his daughter-in-law, Sarah, and together they set out from Ur to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and he died in Haran. They were in Ur, they were on their way to Canaan, but they settled in Haran. Terah had made a decision that he wanted to stay in Haran. Even though Terah had intended to get to Canaan, Terah made the decision to stop halfway and to set up shop and to settle in Haran. You could say that Terah made a terrible decision to stop halfway in Haran. Hope you like that one at home because that's the funniest joke that I've got all day. So it doesn't get any better from here. I'm a dad now, so I get to make dad jokes. So hopefully you enjoy that. That Tara made a terrible choice and stopped halfway in Haran. But let me redeem this message here real quick. So they were in Ur and then they stopped in Haran on their way to Canaan. Now this is significant because Haran means parched. It means parched, deserted, as if to say that Terah intended to go to Canaan, but he encountered a land that was parched and dry and full of obstacles and full of things that came against him and pain and difficulty. And instead of plowing straight through that, he stopped in the middle of that pain and settled right there. And I wonder how many times that we do that as well. How many times that we know that God has given us a promise that's over there and we settle in the middle of a dry, deserted, dark place because of the obstacles that we encounter in that place. How many times do we, do we do that? God has given us a promise and instead of continuing to move towards it, we stop in the middle of that dry, difficult, dark place, believing that God has abandoned us there. 
Meredith and I have been watching the documentary series on The Last Dance. You guys have been watching this as well, The Last Dance. The Last Dance has nothing to do with dancing at all. I'm sure that many of you have been watching it at home. The Last Dance is about the 1990s Chicago Bulls team, the record-breaking team from the 1990s, the way that Michael Jordan led this team to great victory and great prominence, right? This has very quickly, over the last few weeks, become the number one watched documentary of all time. Thankfully, this documentary has just surpassed what was the number one watched documentary of all time, which had become Tiger King. And shame on you for watching Tiger King and Carol Baskins and Joe Exotic and all the characters that are in Tiger King. And no real criticism because I watched it too, right? It's just crazy. But thankfully, Michael Jordan and The Last Dance has redeemed this. So now we can enjoy that the number one documentary is The Last Dance. But the thing that I have been loving about Michael Jordan and watching the way that he played the game is that nothing was less important to Michael Jordan than the score at, at halftime. And nothing was more important to Michael Jordan than the score at full time. At halftime, the buzzer hadn't gone off. At halftime, there was still more game to play. At halftime, there was still influence that he could have in the outcome of the game. At halftime, he knew that everything wasn't over, the game wasn't finished. But at full time, that's a different story. And what it makes me think about is how it doesn't really matter where you start in life. It doesn't really matter whether you are poor or rich when you start in life. It doesn't really matter if you're born in Toledo or North Carolina or South Carolina or wherever it is, or even Ur of the Chaldeans. It doesn't really matter where you are born in life and where you start in life. And it doesn't really even matter about where you find yourself at halftime. What matters is how you finish the thing. Where you are at halftime doesn't even really matter because it makes me think about how in these moments that we are in right now, in this quarantine period of the pandemic that we are in right now, in many ways, this is a halftime for many of us because halftime, the point of halftime is to breathe again, to get your breath back, to take a rest, to, to remind yourself about how you're playing and what you need to do. And for many of us, that's exactly where we are right now. Not to do necessarily with the age and maybe half your age is before and half your age is after anything like that, but I'm talking about how we are in a period of half time where we can look back over our life and see the way that God moved and see the way that we saw victory after victory after victory. And we can remind ourselves, and we can rehearse those things about how God moved and we can look to the future and ensure that we finish this race well because we are in a half time right now. In so many ways, we need to have faith to finish well. That's what this message is about. It's about finishing the race well. Not getting to half time well, but finishing the race well. Because starting things is easy. Starting things is easy. We often talk about how it's difficult to take the first step. I don't believe that that's because of faith. I think that it's difficult to take the first step in life, often because we have so much comfort and security in the things that we knew. That's why Abram had to leave his people and his father's household and the culture and the customs and his security of finances, all of those kinds of things. That's why it's difficult to take the first step, not because it takes great faith to move to where God has a promise for us, but because we need to be willing to detach ourselves from the comfort and the security that we enjoyed once upon a time, to exchange it for a promise of something that's greater. That's why it's not difficult to become a Christian. It's not difficult to receive salvation over your life, but to stand strong in the middle of adversity, that takes great faith. 
to continue praying, believing that God will move on your behalf. That takes great faith. That takes a deeper level of faith to believe that God will move. If you've been praying for healing in your life and you haven't experienced it yet, that takes great faith. And I know and I see you right there where you're joining us from today. I see you and the pain and the difficulty and the addiction that you might have been experiencing in your past. And I know that you have tried again and again and again to break free from that addiction and you feel still pulled back towards it. And I know that you've tried hundreds of different diets trying to lose the weight again and again and again. And no matter what you do, you still continue to put the weight back on that you just lost. And I know that your finances might be tight right now. And I know that your bank account doesn't look like what you want it to look like. And I know that it might impact your faith. But I wanna tell you something today. My job is to not necessarily help pull you out of this thing. My job is to tell you today that I see you, that I'm there with you, and that I'm praying over you that God, the great comforter in our life, that he would enter into your situation and that he would dwell right there with you. Not even that he would fix the situation for you right now, but that he would dwell right where you are in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your situation, that he wouldn't abandon you, but that he would fill you with the faith that you will rise again and step out of this thing eventually. Because great miracles take place in the middle. And before great miracles can happen through you, great miracles must happen and be established on the inside of you. I believe that, that we need to truly find out and realize why we are in the middle of a situation before we can step out of that situation. I know the same scriptures that you do about all things being worked for the good of those who love Him. I know that, right? I know the great stories of men and women that have stood in faith and seen great victory that has come on the other side. I know that. But we look at those stories from the perspective of a place of completion. And when they were in those moments, the great men and women of the Bible, they didn't know that they were in the Bible. They didn't know that their story was being written. They didn't know that they would be talked about in thousands of years about the faith and the victory that they experienced. They didn't know these things. And so it's easy for us to continue flipping the pages thinking it's no big deal, but just pause for a moment. Because if you are Joseph, in the middle of a prison, not knowing why you're there, I hear you. And if you're Job, who is experiencing great difficulty, I hear you. And if you're Mary, who has just lost a son, I hear you. And I'm not praying that God would fix the situation instantly for you, but that God would dwell right there in the middle of that situation with you. Because my faith has to be strong enough that I would believe in a God that would not want to fix everything instantly for you, but that God would enter into that situation until you learn what you need to learn and move beyond it. And then when it's time, I believe that you have the faith to come out on the other side of this thing, that you have the faith to live again, that you have the faith to stand again, that you have the faith to kick the devil out of the way and say, I am standing up and I will live again and I will move to the other side of this thing. I believe that you are coming out on the other side of this thing. And so whether you are a, a mom or a business owner or a student or all three of those things at one time, whether you have just experienced great loss in your family because of a loved one or some kind of financial situation, I believe that you are coming on the other side of this thing. 
You might be in your middle right now, and I encourage you, I urge you to think about why you're there right now. Don't rush out of the situation, but also don't settle there. Don't fall into the trap of Terah, Abram's father, and settle in the middle of a parched land. Think about why you're there, and then when you know, stand your faith back up and move back into your promised land. Because I can tell you today, COVID is not your answer. COVID is not your portion. COVID is not your promise. COVID is not your inheritance. COVID is the middle. COVID is the parched land that we saw that Abram was in before, he told, before God told him to move into Canaan in the promised land. That's the middle. Don't set up shop in Haran. Don't settle in COVID. This is not your inheritance. This is not your promise. God has more for you on the other side of this thing, and you need to stay focused in Canaan. Stay focused on Canaan. The thing that we realize in Hebrews chapter 11, when it talks about Abraham, it says that Abraham made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country, which means that Abraham eventually finds the promised land. He steps into Canaan as the promised land. And the very first thing that happens when Abraham steps into Canaan is that famine strikes. And the very first thing that happens that Abraham decides to do is to leave. So he's finally found the promised land and then famine strikes, and the first thing that he does is to move down to Egypt. And it made me think about how famine and the promised land sometimes happen in the same place. And you might think about famine in a promised land and think those two things don't go together. How can you have a famine in a promised land? That doesn't make any sense. We can't have famine in the promised land. Everything is perfect in the promised land. Everything is perfect when you receive salvation. Everything is perfect when you allow, G allow Jesus onto the inside of your heart, right? But that's not true. We know that it takes about three hours of receiving Christ into your life to know that that's not true, to know that everything doesn't become perfect as soon as you begin to walk things out with Christ. But what we do know is that the promise does not mean that everything will be perfect for you. We do know that the promise means that you are where God wants you to be. The promise indicates that you are exactly where God wants you to be. And so for Abraham, he steps into the promise, never really occupying the land so that the first thing that he does is flee to Egypt when famine comes. And only because of the goodness and grace of God, he is allowed to re-enter into that promised land. And then a couple of generations later, Jacob flees a famine and goes down to Egypt again. And only because of the goodness and graciousness of God, we see that Joshua and Caleb are allowed back into the promised land. It makes me think about how just because we have God in our heart, just because we have the Holy Spirit in our midst does not mean that everything will be perfect for you. God never intended for the Christian life to be easy or for it to be perfect. And if it were, we would never grow spiritually. We would never have to develop that faith muscle that God so ever loves to see moving on the inside of us. God wants to see faith in action. And if everything was always perfect for us, we would never have the ability to exercise our faith. So what do we do though when hard times hit? What do we do when things become difficult for us? We really have two different options. Right? When hard times come against us, we have two options. You can either, one, respond like a victim, or two, respond like a student. 
When you respond like a victim, you think about how everything is about you. Your focus is about you. Everything is internalized on you and you and you. That becomes your perspective and your attention and your focus. But a student doesn't respond that way. A student thinks about God and what God is doing and wondering about how God is moving in your behalf. And so when bad things happen to you, when hardship comes against you, you can think, well, woe is me. Everything is the worst. This is a tough time. My bank doesn't look like what I want it to look like. My spouse isn't doing what I want them to do. Everything isn't behaving the way that I want it to behave. Or you can respond like a student and think, what is God doing during this time? How is God partnering in my life right now so that I can continue walking into the promised land? What is God doing and wondering what the role that God is doing in your life? Because having faith isn't even necessarily about just arriving at the promise. Having faith is about staying in the promise. It's not just about finding your way there. It's about ensuring that you have enough faith to stay in the promise and not flee when things become difficult for you. And I challenge you to think today about how you are not just finding your promise, but how you are staying in the promise that God has for you. Because it takes more faith sometimes to stay in the promise than it does just to find the promise. And sometimes we see that when we enter into a place of great promise or great prosperity, we see disaster hit. We see this happen time and time again with breakthrough musical artists that lose their marriages because of addictions that occur in that world. We see it time and time again with professional athletes that right after they retire, they file for bankruptcy because they've got no money. And we see it time and time again in lives of those in our regular spheres as well. Maybe it's happening for you right now. Maybe you stepped into a place of great prosperity and maybe you stepped into the promise that God has for you and then disaster hit. And now you're wondering, I'm in the promise. Why is disaster impacting my life right now? This doesn't make any sense. God told me to go to the promised land. Why am I finding such difficulty and opposition here? And I wonder if it's because disaster in your promise forces you to reevaluate and to think about, am I thankful for God and His goodness in the first place? Or am I just serving the promise that He gave me? Am I just thankful to God for the life that I have, the job that I have, the family that I have, the location that I get to live? Is this what I'm putting my focus and attention on? Or am I worshiping God because He is worthy of the praise all by Himself, regardless of what my situation is doing, regardless of what my circumstance might look like right now, I am still choosing to worship Him right now because He is good and He is God alone, regardless of what my bank account looks like, regardless of what my job is saying, regardless of of what my family is saying, regardless of any situation that I'm in, He is still God and He is still worthy of our praise. I wonder if that's why disaster happens sometimes when we step into the promised land. Thankfully, the Bible is full of examples of people who finish things well. The Bible is full of examples of people who diligently serve and fulfill the purpose that God has given them and the different assignments that they have. Ultimately, we all have promises in our life. We have promises corporately for us as a church, and we have promises for us individually. Promises maybe for you specifically as a person, or maybe promises over your family and over your loved ones. But either way, we have promises that God has given us. And so today, as we get ready to close, I wanna pray over you. For either of these two situations, you might have a promise that you need the faith to continue pursuing, 
or you might need the faith to stand in the promise, ensuring that you don't flee and leave the promise that God has given you. If either of those situations describes you and the situation that you're in today, I wanna pray for you. Because I know that this word might not be specifically for you or this encouraging thing that I'm getting ready to say might not be specifically for you, but it can be tempting to see destruction. It can be tempting to see pain in our lives and assume or believe that God is not present in that that God is not moving in our midst, that God is not there with us. And so this might not be for you specifically, but I'm sure that it's for someone else that's on the stream right now listening to my voice. God is still there with you. God still loves you. The goodness of your situation has no bearing on the goodness of God. It has no bearing on how much God loves you. God is passionate about you. He is crazy about you. And too many times we draw lines between what my situation currently looks like and how good God is or how much He cares about us. But that's not the case. God has given you a promise. And if God has given you a promise, He cannot lie, which means that that promise will come to pass. And so whether it's a promise for healing or whether it's a promise for a word that was spoken over you when you were a child, that promise will come to pass. You just need the faith to stand, the faith to finish, the faith to finish well, the faith to rise again, the faith that says, I'm not going to exist at my beginning. I'm not gonna exist in the middle. I'm not gonna settle in the middle of that dry, parched, difficult, obstacle-ridden land that I find myself in, that land that Terra stopped in. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna continue pursuing the promise until I find myself in the promise. And then even when I find myself in the promise, I'm gonna settle there. I'm gonna set my roots down deep in the promise so that no matter what comes against me, no matter what adversity I find coming against me, I will stay in the promise. I won't flee. I won't abandon the promise because the promise means that I am where God wants me to be. So if either of those situations describe you today, I wanna to pray over you. You can let us know in whatever chat window, whatever platform that you're joining us on right now. If this is a word that's for you, you can jump into the chat. Let us know by saying amen or drop an emoji or something like that so that we know that we can be praying for you specifically. But it's been so great being with you here in these moments. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for these moments. We're thankful for the way that we've seen you work. We're thankful for your heart. We're thankful that you are a promise maker and that you are a promise keeper. We're thankful for the faith that you have given us and we ask for more faith. We know that faith is a gift that we can exercise. We know that faith is a muscle that we need to exercise. And so God, we know that you have spoken things over our life. And today I stand in the full authority of the Holy Spirit and I speak to those that are listening right now and I say, faith, rise again. Faith, stand up again. Do not settle in the middle. Do not settle in the parched land. Stand up again. Put your focus, your attention, everything that you are towards the promised land. Faith, rise again. Faith, rise again. Faith, rise again. My attention and my focus won't be on my middle. My attention and my focus won't be on the past. My attention and my focus will be on the eternity, on the promise that God has given me. Because I know that my God is great. 
I know that my God is powerful. I know that my God loves me. So wherever I find myself, I put my faith in Him and Him alone. And He cannot forsake me. He will not forsake me because He's that kind of Father and He's that kind of friend in our lives. And together we have all prayed this prayer. Amen and amen and amen. I hope that message meant something to you and that it means something in your days to come. Yeah, if this message has blessed you and you wanna sow into the ministry of Cornerstone Church, you can do so from wherever you are today. Simply jump on our website at cornerstone.church and you can find the link there so that you can give in whatever way is most convenient to you. And we'll see you back here next time.